Can you handle the truth? Sometimes we need someone close to us to tell us what we're doing wrong, but it sure can be hard to hear it said out loud. Hey everyone, it's Karen G. from Tower Hills Communications Team. Thanks for listening into our weekly message. We hope this podcast gives you answers and helps you dig deeper in your faith. And if you like this message, please share it with a friend. This week, we're listening to part two in our sermon series called The Great Disruption. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now. Well, I hope that you are ready to join in to worship that Hopefully this isn't just something that you are watching on a screen, but that you feel like you're participating in. And uh, we've been talking a lot about what God is doing during this disruption. We started a series last week called The Great Disruption, how God can use this time for us to maybe even show us something that we wouldn't have seen otherwise, or to prepare us for a new path that he wants us to be on. So we're calling this The great disruption, maybe this disruption, great as it is, can be great for your life. Because everything about life has changed. We were talking a little bit last week about whether or not this is an interruption or a disruption. An interruption in that, well, maybe when this is all over, we'll just kind of go back to where we were before everything started and continue with our lives from there. But you and I both know that that's not possible because we are different. We'd have to travel in a time machine, but even then we'd be different because we are the sum of our experiences. We are, we carry with us all of the emotions and experiences so that you can never really go back to the way things were. We've been changed forever. And so what's it look like in this time of disruption? What's this new way going to look like? We're all asking this question about our lives, right? How's this going to look in in our normal, normal, everyday lives? How's it going to be different? What's the new normal? You hear that all the time. What's the new normal going to be? But we've been focusing a bit on what is this doing for us spiritually? Is this going to be just an interruption, kind of like road construction, right? Is this just a temporary detour where we've got our lane, we got the way that we always go, and The road's blocked off, so we're just taking a detour around, and we're just waiting for the detour to end so we can get back on the road the way that we like to go. Or have they closed the road and built a new road? Is this a new path for us? It may look a bit like the old path, but it's something different. And we've been really talking about, well, what does this mean for us? It's a big question that we're asking. What if God could leverage this current disruption in your life? What if God can take this moment and leverage it for something good? Now, again, I said this last week, I don't believe that God caused the coronavirus to happen, that somehow some big spiritual test that he's throwing on us with all these casualties in the process, that's just not the God that I know. But here's the God that I do know, is that, you know, we've heard that phrase, never let a crisis go to waste. God can take the worst crisis and he could leverage it for his good, somehow, some way. And I believe that's exactly what he can do in our lives right now in the middle of this disruption. And so last week we talked about how Jesus disrupts our plans in order to show us our purpose. That's usually, it's 
when our plans are disrupted, that Jesus shows us, hey, there's actually a better road. There's a different road that I want you on, and it's going to be better than the road you would have taken on your own. And today we're talking a little bit more about this, and we're drilling down into this idea that Jesus also disrupts our behavior. This is the part where we get a little squeamish because we don't like being told what to do. We don't like being told how to behave. We love to justify our behavior no matter what it is. Good, bad, ugly, we love to justify it. And so the whole idea of a behavior correction from God, well, sometimes we look at it as like, well, God's punishing our behavior, or God's, we have a very punitive idea of what this means. But maybe it doesn't quite mean that. What if God was changing or disrupting our behavior because he wants to give us something, something more, something better? I want to share with you a couple of scripture stories uh, about two people who had this disruptive experience with Jesus. And Jesus calls them out on their behavior and sets them on a new path. The first one is Saul, the Pharisee, before he converts and becomes Paul, the apostle. Saul was, was a bad dude. He, a Pharisee, he was out to get Christians, to round them up, because he thought they were all heretics, and they needed to be dealt with severely. So let's go into, this is Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into this city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. Saul gets this very rude awakening, right? Jesus disrupts his behavior, his murderous threats against all the Christians. He disrupts it. And he calls him out on it, right? He gives him the truth. Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's revealing himself to be the one true God, revealing Jesus to be exactly who his followers think he is. And he's setting him on a new path. Here's another one. Where Jesus was traveling through Samaria in the midst of his ministry journey, and he stops at a place called Jacob's Well. This is actually an archaeological site, Jacob's Well. Um, currently, it's about 75 feet deep. It was considered to be much deeper back then, probably, because they thought over time it got shallower with debris. But it's a real place. Jacob stopped there because he, uh, Jacob, Jesus stopped there because he was tired in his journey. And we pick the story up from there. This is John chapter 4. And Jesus... Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. <laughs> it's like one of the biggest understatement lines in all of scripture. I see you're a prophet. What do you think? Verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So in the middle of these two stories, what's Jesus doing? What's Jesus doing? He's disrupting their behavior, right? Jesus disrupts our behavior to show us the truth. But the problem is, as a few good men reminds us, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> I can't handle the truth sometimes. In fact, what I discover is I like to hear the truth when I like what the truth says. Otherwise, I'm very selective on what kind of truth I want to hear. Truth that makes me uncomfortable or points out some sort of ugliness in my behavior, no thank you. I don't think I want that. I want the truth that validates my life, that props me up. You know, it's like how we're all experts in Zoom meetings. I mean, this is like our way of life now. Zoom, FaceTime, all these things. We didn't think our lives would be so dependent on this technology. But when I'm doing Zoom meeting, I mean, you probably, if you're in a Zoom meeting with me, you know, like, my face is well lit. I mean, I got a light there. I crank it up to 11, and I make sure that, you know, all the, all the imperfections and the wrinkles and the gray hairs and everything, let's just cover that as much as we possibly can. I mean, if I could bring in a full studio to make me look great on camera, I would. Because actually, like, if I don't do any lighting, I mean, I pretty much look like this. I got a picture of it here. I mean, it's, it's not good. But the point is, the truth sometimes hurts but it's actually the truth that I need because here's the thing, truth makes us better. It does, doesn't it? Truth makes us better. We don't always like to hear it. We don't like how it feels sometimes. We don't like what it means when people give us a hard truth, but truth makes us better. It's kind of like this last spring, you know, not having any youth sports or Kids baseball is, is a big part of our life as a family. And, you know, if, if you have a, a child who's playing baseball, you know, like my son plays baseball, if I notice that his swing is, is a mess and he's not hitting the ball, do I just let it go? No, because, and parents, you get this if you got kids in sports, I want him to hit the ball so badly. I want for him, and why? Because I want him to experience the joy of success. 
I want him to make connection with that ball and to run the bases. So I'm going to tell him, hey, hey, son, listen, make sure your elbow's up. Make sure your stance is right. Make sure your weight's balanced. Make sure you're seeing the ball as you make contact with it. These are all things I would teach him to correct the swing. And my son might not like to hear what I'm saying, but if I can get him to hear the truth, it's going to make him better. And in the end, he's going to have so much more joy and fulfillment if he's willing to adjust his swing based on the truth. Or maybe it's like going to the doctors. I, uh, I think it was my mom who used to say, I don't want to go to the doctors because I don't want to find out what's wrong with me. I mean, that kind of encapsulates my mom. But I, I know a lot of people who feel that way. It's like, I'm not feeling right, and I don't want to go to the doctors because I'm afraid they're going to tell me something that I don't want to hear. I understand the fear, but I, I also don't understand it because only with a proper diagnosis and treatment am I going to get better. I may not want to hear the truth that maybe I have a disease or I have some sort of ailment or, or, or something that's wrong with me. Maybe I don't want to hear that, but until I hear it, I can't move forward. I can't get treated. I can't live a higher quality of life. And, you know, it's amazing. In the end, it's truth that gives us incredible confidence. It's truth that gives us incredible confidence. So I have incredible confidence in my future if I know I'm sick and I could take this treatment to get better or to, you know, lower my symptoms or the impact of my symptoms. If I don't even know what I have, I have no confidence in my future. The truth makes us better and the truth can give us incredible confidence. I think Jesus disrupts our behavior to show us the truth, but it's because he wants to give us something. He wants to give us peace. What do I mean? I don't just mean peace like the absence of war or peace like some kind of um, transcendental meditation peace. I mean a different kind of peace, a peace that only Jesus can give. And it's funny, it seems like peace is the, com the commodity that we want most of all anyway. We think, okay, I'm going to finally have peace once I get that salary increase. I'm finally going to have peace once, once we get out of this pandemic and we get back to normal. I'm finally going to have peace when I get to go on that vacation. I'm finally going to have peace when I upgrade and, and get that new house or get that new car, get that promotion at work. I'm finally going to when. And this is different than what Jesus offers us. Jesus disrupts our behavior and tells us the truth. He told Saul the truth. You're persecuting me. He told the woman at the well the truth. You have five husbands. The one you have now is not your husband. He calls out behavior, disrupts behavior to tell them the truth so that he can give them peace. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world gives a shallower kind of peace, doesn't it? And then the way the world works is the world gives but also takes back. With Jesus' peace, there are no take backs. And the whole idea, the whole um, Hebrew idea of peace, of shalom, means a wholeness or fullness, a completeness of body, spirit, a completeness of life in all areas of your life, in your work, in your family, in your relationship with God, a peace 
that almost is like a, a physical thing that rests on you. This is what Jesus is talking about. He offers us his shalom. He disrupts our behavior to tell us the truth so that we can have his kind of peace, a peace that Philippians says, the peace of God that transcends all understanding. This is what God wants for us. What if during this disruption, he finally has our attention enough to disrupt our behavior and give us the truth so that we could finally have peace? I don't know what this looks like for you in your life today. It could look like a lot of things. Maybe as I'm talking, you, you immediately know that thing that God's been talking to you about. Or maybe you're like, man, I, I really have no idea. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm not even sure what I believe. I've just watched this for the first time and I've got to this point and I don't know. What does this even mean for my life? That's okay. No matter where you are on that spectrum, you're in the right place. I believe you're right where God wants you. What would it look like to let him in? That maybe this horrible, tragic disruption we're all experiencing in our lives can somehow, someway, by the grace of God, become for us a great disruption. What if we could jump on that new road that he has given? That's my prayer for us. And let me offer a short prayer as we get ready to welcome the band up and uh, worship God with some singing this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask that you bless us. Give us the peace that passes understanding. Help us to accept the truth so that we can be made better, that we can be made well, that we can connect with the ball and get the full enjoyment of the life that you've designed for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.